Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is the 9th of June, 2023. My mom called me at some obscenely crazy uh, early hour of the day um, and and said, hey, it was 55 years ago just now that you came into the world. And so there you go. Um, She did realize you have a show to do. I know. (laughs) Go ahead and get it out of your system, though. Sing a little happy birthday ditty. I'm, uh, yeah. This is your birthday song. It isn't Mm -hmm. very long. Hey. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you, Paul Perot. Love, love you, man. Um, everybody is uh, is allowed one uh, one large piece of rhubarb pie, any variety today, uh, on behalf of my birthday. Um, yes, uh, thank you. I I love life, and I love the gift of life. And although birthdays are important, I am definitely an advocate of the rebirthday celebration. And so, um, yeah, let's be let's be considering not only you know. Life, which obviously such a gift, so great, but also new life in Christ, the redeemed life. And let's celebrate that today as well. Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12. Wow, what? I mean, (laughs) seems kind of silly to say, but what a great chapter of Scripture. (laughs) I mean, every, well, I don't. I was going to pause and say every chapter of Scripture is great, but I will just confess there are some chapters of Scripture that... Um, wow, are really heavy and hard. Chapter 12 of Hebrews is definitely worth the investment of your time and energy today. So we're only going to read the first couple of verses here, but I commend it to you in its entirety as you consider the life of faith and the pursuit of faith in the midst of life and those who have gone before us in the life of faith and um, and how we now run with perseverance the race that they have already run and completed. And just give you an opportunity today to give thanks to God for all those who have gone before you um, in in the course of the life of faith. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded, oh, and anytime there's a therefore, you know, right, we got to pause and say, mm, what's the therefore, therefore, which is going to send you back to Hebrews um, chapters 1 through 11, obviously worth your time as well. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great or huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Uh, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially since um, they so easily trip us up. And let us run with endurance or perseverance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So are you running the race today? Are you running the race of faith? Um, Are you running the race with endurance or perseverance Are you running the race that God has set before you, or are you running your own race course, which is, of course, off course? All right. Can you hear the dog growling in the background? Paul, can you hear her? Just a little bit. Don't. I'm so sorry. The doggies are fine. Don't don't worry. Oh no, it's because they're both on the same princess pillow. Paul, Paul, give me give me two seconds. 
All right. Cover me for two seconds. Uh, two seconds. Well, um, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I, I don't know what to talk okay, about, so Carmen. Sorry. That's I have okay. a puppy, and you know, sometimes, right? It's just like real... I know she probably shouldn't we gotta be here get yet, used but to it. Trying to train her to be a good studio dog. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, returning our eyes to the course set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, right? So here's the question: As you are running the race of faith today, like where are your eyes fixed? And the the world is going to try today to distract us and get our attention pulled off to all variety of things. And so let me just encourage you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus today. What is it? What does that mean? And what does it mean for Jesus to be the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith? And what are examples of people who've gone before us? Well, that's, of course, Hebrews chapter 11. And so the therefore is there so that we might look back at that list of the huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith that goes before us. I also appreciate that the writer here lands the plane um, with these words, our faith, our faith. I think sometimes we Imagine, hey, this is just my race that I'm running, and I'm running it on my own, and I'm, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's my faith. Well, it's, it's actually our faith. It's the faith once delivered to the saints and then through them to us. And so um, as you're running today, recognize you don't run alone. You don't run a course of life or faith that others have not run before you. It's a well-worn path by this point, the way of Jesus. And so... Let's keep our eyes fixed on him today as we consider all that's going on in the world. Yes, uh, first up, the indictment of the former president of the United States. That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, for the first time in the entire history of the United States, um, a former U.S. president and a current candidate for the office of the presidency has been indicted on federal charges. Um, This happened yesterday at the end of the day. The Justice Department took the, what I will describe as legally and politically momentous step of lodging federal criminal charges against former President uh, Donald J. Trump. We do not actually have uh, the physical indictment. We know that it happened because um, the former president announced so or confirmed it on his media platform called Truth Social. The Justice Department has not released um, uh, the indictment. But the charges against him, um, we know this from, again, from those representing the former president. We know that these charges um, include willfully retaining national defense secrets in violation of the Espionage Espionage Act, which doesn't actually mean that he... um, did what we think of as necessarily espionage, but any any time that you um, have in your possession um, secrets, you know, U.S. secrets, um, and you have them and retain them in a way that you're not supposed to have them, that's technically a violation of the Espionage Act. So that's you're going to hear that talked about a lot. Making false statements um, and a conspiracy to obstruct justice. So all of these um, are in relationship to the documents. This does not have anything to do with um, uh, the January 6th investigation, um, the investigation in the state of Georgia related to um, accusations that the former president uh, sought to influence the outcome of the 2020 election. Um, Also has nothing to do with the ongoing case um, in the state of New York, where 
the former president was already facing state level charges. But these are federal charges. And this is um, this is a much different and a much bigger deal. The Justice Department um, is has made no comment. Um, the indictment was uh, handed up by a grand jury in the Florida District of Miami. And you might be wondering why, uh, why the Florida District of Miami and not uh, D.C., where this grand jury, uh, where a grand jury has also been impaneled on the same subject. And it's because the um, of the locus of the um, alleged offense. All right. So if the offense takes place in the jurisdiction of um, the federal district court of Florida, then that's where the charges need to be brought. So that's what's going on. Um, it is historic. It is extraordinary. Um, it puts the country in an extraordinary position. Donald Trump is not only the former commander in chief, um, but also the current front runner for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. And right now, uh, his most likely opponent, the sitting president, um, Joe Biden, you know, it's it's the Biden administration that's now seeking to convict the potential rival. It, it's a it, it's a complex story. Um, Donald Trump is expected to surrender to authorities on Tuesday. Um and it's um, yeah, it's a challenging, genuinely unprecedented day um, in the life of the country. Um, there are a million political conversations that we could have about any and all of the important threads of this story. We could pull on any of them. Others are going to do that today. Other people are going to pull every single one of those threads today. Um, but what's our part? As Christians, what's our part? How are we to think and pray and discuss and act today and in the days to come in light of this new reality? How now shall we respond as Christians, not first out of any of our many isms, not first as male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free, red, white, blue, black or brown American, but as Christians, how are we to think and pray and talk about these things? Well, we'll talk about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at myfaithradio.com. All right, it is the 9th of June, 2023, um, and it's probably a day that a lot of folks are going to mark down um, because it, it is an unusual day in the life of our country. And so I want us to be prepared for the conversations that are going to be taking place in the culture, and I want us to bring the mind of Christ to bear on those conversations. And so in relationship to the federal indictment of former President Donald Trump, um, again, there are a million political threads you could pull and things you could talk about. I'm going to seek to equip us as Christians um, on three, I don't know, what I'll call praying, thinking, and talking points. So here are the three praying, thinking, and talking points that I think as Christians we want to cultivate uh, in preparation for the conversations of the day. Um, the reality of political corruption, which is a part of a conversation about the sovereignty of God— which encompasses realities of liberty and authority and human government and and God's ultimate sovereignty. So that's like, I know that's a big 
wad of yarn, but it all goes together. Like when you talk about politics, you're talking about um, political systems and you're talking about government and governance. And ultimately, you're talking about the sovereignty of God, Uh, kings and kingdoms and how they positively, negatively reflect the, the reality of the king and the kingdom of God. The other two concerns are truth and justice, also big, very big topics. So we'll move through these um, with as much clarity and brevity as I can offer, um, because obviously entire books have been written on each of these subjects. Um, first, on political corruption, like on whichever side of the aisle you see corruption today, I'm pretty sure that you see political corruption. Whatever your viewpoint or vantage point on the things going on, you see the other side is corrupt. Like, that is how this works in our conversations. Um, But political corruption is nothing new. It is nothing new. In fact, it is the way the world tends to work itself out because political power tends to corrupt people. So Christians have lived under every form of government ever known to man. Um, And don't miss this. Whatever form of government we find ourselves subject to in the here and now, it's not yet on earth as it's going to be in heaven, um, which means that we always live in a corrupted political system. I mean, we just do. Until we live um, in the kingdom of God, under the full sovereignty of God, with no competing interests, we're going to live in some level of a political corruption. Um, every form of government under which every Christian has lived for the last 2,000 years uh, is a is a political system that is subordinate to and ultimately accountable to the sovereignty of God. He is our king. He is the ultimate judge. He sees it all and he knows it all. And to be very, very clear, we do not. We don't see it all. We don't know it all. We're not the ultimate judge of things. Um, and we don't have the political power in the world to um, particularly affect what's going on right now. We have our part to play and our role to play, but we're not pulling the levers. It's just, it, we're not. Um, we do not see nor know all there is to see or know, which of course brings us to the second essential talking point here or thinking praying point, however you want to think about them today. And that's truth. Truth matters. As Christians, we should want to know the truth no matter what. Truth matters. I mean, I, I know everyone today has their own version of the facts, but that, in fact, is not truth. I mean, there are not multiple realities. There are the facts of the matter. There is truth, and truth matters. Just yesterday, we talked with Matthew Sleeth about speaking the truth as an essential pillar of the Christian life. We talked about Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. We talked about how the truth sets us free. We talked about um, the teaching of Paul that we be people who speak the truth in love in, uh, in the generations in which God has ordained that we live. So today is literally our day of truth. This is a day of truth. Not truth and dare, but certainly truth and consequences, truth and potentially reconciliation, truth and, as Christians, truth and grace. Jesus came full of what? Truth and grace. What are we full of? We're supposed to be full of Jesus. The truth is that the truth is. 
So if the only thing that you pray, think, and talk about today is the reality that the truth is, that the truth exists, that truth matters, that truth is knowable, that seeking truth is a worthy pursuit, that truth has a name, then you will have lived as a positive world-changing witness in the world that God so loves. You will have been authentically Jesus-y in the conversations of the day. I'm not suggesting that we act as if we know the truth of everything that another person said or did or directed, destroyed, concealed, or intended. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know all of that. We do not know those small T truths, but we do know the capital T truth. So can you imagine pivoting a conversation today from Trump to truth? Can you imagine how you might pivot a conversation today from endless, futile speculations about all of the what-ifs to the endlessly fruitful conversation about what is reality and truth? Finally, there's the matter of justice. Justice and truth are obviously intimately um, connected and related, and justice and truth are intimately connected to the sovereignty of God. So really, when I said there were going to be three praying, thinking, and talking points, there is ultimately just one, and he is God. So like the conversations regarding the kingdom of God, the kings and kingdoms of this world, um, and the conversations regarding the layers of truth, the conversations about justice happen on several levels. We all know this. We know that ultimate justice rolls down And we don't always experience it in real time in in this life. We know that. Not everybody gets um, justice on this side of heaven. But there are these various gradations of justice and injustice that we experience every day. And being mindful of that today is going to matter. Because no matter where we live, we live subjected to a system of justice that's governed by whoever is in authority at the time. And again, you see this intimate relationship between the conversations about God's sovereignty, the derivative limited authority of human political regimes, truth and justice. So let me just give you this um, to think about uh, in terms of a storyline to hold in your head and heart today. Jesus before Pilate. Now, trust me when I tell you that is a story that is most certainly going to be referenced today by others in all kinds of contexts. Jesus stands accused, and in the greatest subversion of justice that we could ever imagine, the sovereign God in human flesh stands before a representative of the Roman authority of the day, literally the truth himself on trial. And maybe um, the greatest question ever asked And maybe it's even asked as Pilate is brushing Jesus aside. But there's a great question in there. What is truth? With that question in mind, what is the judgment with which you judge? What is the judgment that you use to judge the judgment of Jesus? What's your perspective on that question? What is truth? What's your perspective on Jesus? Who do you say that he is? How does the injustice that Jesus suffered benefit you today? 
And how is it going to benefit you when you stand rightly condemned of sin before the throne of a holy God? What is the relationship between truth and consequences in light of the cross? And what is the relationship between truth and grace as you consider the justice of God? You and I are going to have lots of conversations today about the political intrigue surrounding the indictment of the former president of the United States. I can tell you that I am going to pray and think and speak about these things. The sovereignty and the kingdom of God. The one who I know is the way and the truth and the life. Who comes full of grace and truth and fills me now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to think and pray and talk about the layers of justice here on earth, which point to the ultimate reality of the justice of God. Before whom each and every, every one of us is going to stand. And the truth will come out. Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, something, sometimes uh, things happen in, uh, in the court of law or at a legislative level um, in a particular state that actually does matter to us in our day-to-day living, in our day-to-day life, and in our life together. So you know that Faith Radio, which you're listening to right now, uh, is a part of the family of ministries um, under the very large umbrella of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. And because of decisions made at a legislative level in the state of Minnesota, where UNW is located, um, UNW is now party to a very major lawsuit. And in order that I do not misspeak in any way on the topic. We thought, you know what? Let's just bring the lawyer on. Let's just let's just let the lawyer talk about it. So Diana Thompson is going to join us. She is senior counsel for Beckett Law. Um, we are going to be talking about an ongoing um, case uh, to which the University of Northwestern is a party. Uh, it involves parents and families and colleges and the state of Minnesota and something called PSEO. So it's the way high school students can enroll in college courses and get college credit while they're still in high school. And it's now restricted um, for institutions that require a statement of faith in terms of um, their student population. So uh, a conversation that we wanted to have with you and in front of you so that you would be um, in the loop and in the know. Um, Again, it's a developing case and we're party to it. So we thought we would talk about it with the attorney um, in charge. Diana Thompson joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thrilled to welcome Diana Thompson to the program. She's senior counsel at Beckett Law. You can find them on Twitter at Beckett Law. That's Beckett with one T. Diana, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. So why um, why are we talking with an attorney today? What is at issue for our parent organization, the University of Northwestern St. Paul, and, and others as well? So this is an issue involving Minnesota's PSEO program. PSEO stands for Post-Secondary Enrollment Options. And that program has allowed thousands of high school students to enroll at public and private universities throughout Minnesota. 
Under the program, students can get high school and college credit simultaneously without having to foot the bill. So at the end of last month in May, Minnesota amended the PSEO program to strip religious universities of their eligibility in the program if they require a statement of faith from their students. The effect of this is to punish religious students who want to learn in an environment of faith, and it punishes the schools that they want to attend. I'm a lawyer at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, and we are representing two families in Minnesota, the Lowe's and the Erickson's. They've used PSEO funds in the past to send their older children to schools that reflect their values, uh, Brown College and University of Northwestern St. Paul. These families want to send their high school students to those same schools uh, when they are eligible for the PSEO program. Uh, we also represent Brown and Northwestern, who do require a statement of faith for their students, and they will be shut out from the PSEO program uh, under this new law. So would it be fair to say that what's at issue is the statement of faith? That's right. Uh, and that's why Brown and Northwestern, these two families, have sued Minnesota, the Minnesota Department of Education, to vindicate their First Amendment rights to practice their faith and receive government benefits in a neutral manner. So the the Supreme Court has said multiple times in the past, in, in recent years and you know going back decades, if you open up a program to public and private groups, especially in the education context, you can't exclude religious groups just because they're religious, just because of their religious exercise. That's what this law does, and that violates the First Amendment, and that's why we brought this lawsuit. Yeah, I'm thinking about like uh, playground toppings uh, that, you know, they were offering to public schools and like, right, you can't restrict the same playground material you're offering to to cover the ground at uh, at non-religious schools. You can't say, well, religious schools can't can't have their kids playing on the same ground up tires. I mean, like there are some cases exactly that we point to. OK. All right. So I'm I'm yes. on the right track in terms of what I'm thinking. Yes. That, yeah, that was a Trinity Lutheran case. And anyone could you know apply for the playground grant uh, except for sectarian institutions. And a lot of these laws are in are, uh, state provisions that are based in, originally it was anti-Catholic discrimination. So, it was, you know, these laws were passed at a time when there were lots of, there was lots of uh, immigration into the United States. And there was, there was a strong anti-Catholic sentiment as a result of that. Uh, and a lot of laws were passed saying, we're going to keep the Protestant religion in the public schools and we're going to exclude Catholics from the public schools. And now those laws are being used uh, as anti-religious. And the Supreme Court has said that is laws based in anti-religious animus are not allowed. And a lot of states just aren't getting the message. And Minnesota has not gotten the message yet. Uh, and that's why we've had to bring this lawsuit. All right. So, again, we're talking with Diana Thompson from Beckett. Um, and why don't you tell us a little bit about Beckett? Um, you It rolled off your tongue so quickly, and uh, and there might be <laughs> things in there that people would want to to pause and consider. Sure. So at the Beckett Fund, we like to we represent people of all faiths anytime their free exercise is threatened by the government. So we like to say we've represented people from Anglican to Zoroastrian. And, you know, one of the principles that we strive to pursue is that religion is natural to people. It's part, it's a part of who we are and it's natural when it's expressed in culture. And that means that the government not only, you know, should tolerate it, but it should promote it when, uh, when it exists in the culture. So, and it shouldn't exclude it. It shouldn't treat it like cigarette smoke that, that infects people. It should, it should allow it when it, especially when it offers neutral programs that are open to everyone. Okay. 
why is Beckett interested in this particular case? Like, why are you representing these parents and these universities um, in, in this particular conversation in Minnesota? Sure. I think this, so Minnesota passed this law uh, without regard to the, the Supreme Court's recent statements that it it's unconstitutional to exclude religious groups because of their religious exercise from public programs. So this is a this is an important First Amendment principle that the Supreme Court has highlighted in recent years, and uh, lots of groups haven't gotten the message. So and Minnesota uh, appears to be one of them. And so it's we think it's important to vindicate the principle that religion shouldn't be stamped out, just, be, you know, it shouldn't be excluded just because it's religious. And uh, it's it's really the main reason that you know, that it's important to get involved is because it's really unfair to these students and to the schools. Uh, these students just want to attend the school that they, their older siblings have attended and that reflects their faith. You know, what some of our clients have been looking forward to going to Northwestern and Crown for years, and they've, you know, they, they want to be part of the on-campus program because they want to be in a community of faith. And so to exclude them just be, just because of their religious belief is, you know, it's not only unconstitutional, but it's unfair. If people go to um, BeckettLaw.org, and Beckett has one T, just let me remind everybody, BeckettLaw.org, and click on current cases, I mean, there's, there's just, it seems like dozens, like there's a, there's, this, um, there's a vibrant conversation going on at the legal level um, in relationship to religious freedom. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. There's there's been lots going on to do with religious freedom across the country. We, we've seen the government trying to do what the government does, which is regulate more and more. And and as that happens, uh, it's going to interfere more and more with religious beliefs. And so there's you know there's places all over the country that we are representing people of all faiths. Um, we are representing families, Jewish families in California uh, to receive I you know IDA funding on an on an equal basis. We're representing Sikh soldiers uh, who have been excluded from the military just because of their faith. We we're representing we're representing Native Americans in Arizona who are trying to defend their sacred sites. Uh, so there's a lot going on and but we are optimistic that uh, things are getting better for religious liberty and we see the Supreme Court uh, recognizing it and we uh, are hopeful for what's to come. We're um, we're certainly thankful um, for what you guys do at Beckett and uh, thankful for you in terms of your willingness to come and talk with us about this topic today. Um, is there anything else that you want to cover um, with us today? Sure. I think I just the, the last thing I'd say is that I didn't really touch on before is the effect of this new law is not to increase access. You know, I think a lot of some of the legislators were talking were, we're talking about specific religious beliefs and that's, you know, they, that's targeting religion. But I, I think that maybe they were trying to get at the idea that they wanted to increase access to the SEO program and they don't want anyone to be left out. But if they, this law, what the, the purpose of this law is to exclude Crown and Northwestern from the program. And if Crown and Northwestern don't participate in the PSEO program, there's going to be fewer spots, not more. And so the students who are going to go to those schools are going to be left to compete with students who at the public schools. And that's not uh, that I, that's not that doesn't reflect what the legislators were saying they were trying to do. And that's it's it's just not fair. And not to mention that it's unconstitutional. 
<laughs> Unfair and unconstitutional. There you go. Um, so thank you, Diana, so very much. Um, you guys can follow along with this at BeckettLaw.org. Um, again, a reminder that um, Faith Radio, of which this program is a part, um, we are a part of um, the University of Northwestern St. Paul in terms of um, a, a family of ministries. And so um, this is something that we're sensitive uh, sensitive to and um, and appreciate, Diana, your your service on this front. Thanks so much, Carmen. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for letting me talk about religious liberty. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All righty. Um, so we, um, we will keep you up to date on the unfolding narrative of that case. When there um, are developments, Diana will come back and share those with us. Otherwise, you're not going to hear me talk about it because, well, after all, <clears throat> we're party to it. So there you go. All right. Um, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooners women's college uh, softball team has won the World Series. It is their third NCAA college softball national championship in a row. And um, the press conference uh, attended not only by the coach, but by three players, Grace Lyons, Jada Coleman, and Alyssa Brito. Let me just tell you, you should you should go and like find it on YouTube and watch the whole thing in its entirety. But these young women are so poised Um they give me such encouragement and hope. I'm so thankful for this coach. And so I just wanted to share with you a couple of minutes of the audio um, related to what these young women are saying about joy and the joy of the game um, and how you handle the stress and anxiety that comes over the course of time, especially when there's these incredible expectations that you're going to win. Um, yeah, just um, just enjoy a portion of the press conference. This is the Oklahoma Sooners Women's College World Series winning uh, uh, the three representatives from that college softball team. I know you talked about keeping the joy of the game, but I'm curious. It's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time, the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when – anxiety seems like a thing that can very easily set in. Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. And um, I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only the only answer to that, because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 
1000% agree with Grace Lyons. Um, I went through that my freshman year. I, I was so happy to win the college. I've talked about this before, but I was just so happy that we won the college world series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel filled and I had to find Christ in that. And I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose because if it's not the end of the world, if we do lose, yes, obviously we've worked our butts off to be here and we want to win, but it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up and you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where, like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And, um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game, because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for. And that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. And I'm sure everyone's story is similar, but we all have those great testimonies that have really like shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger. Um, and I think that's just what brings me so much joy. And no matter the outcome, whether we get a trophy in the end or not, we're, this isn't our home. And I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our father. And I'm so excited about that. And yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home. And Um, No matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end um, when we're with our our king. What are you going to do with your, I mean, it's not even 15 minutes of fame. What are you going to do with your 15 seconds of fame? I I am so encouraged by Grace Lyons and Jada Coleman and Alyssa Brito. Uh, and the the rest of the young women on this team who um many of whom are vibrant expressive Christians some of whom have come to faith during the course of their um you know of their college experience and in no small measure because of the witness of the testimony of the lives of their teammates your life is pressed up against somebody else's life today. Your life is pressed up against somebody else's life today. Um, maybe you're, the team that you're on is building tractors. Maybe the team that you're on is, um, uh, is canning rhubarb jelly because you, you have the greatest job in the world and, you know, get to eat the leftovers. Um, maybe, I mean, I, whatever your vocation Whatever group you're in, your avocation, your ministry group, um, your neighborhood, your family, your life is pressed up against the life of other people today. You have a witness. You have a testimony. You're going to face challenges. You are um, working together as a team of some variety or another to accomplish some kind of goal. And these young women make the distinction between joy and happiness they recognize that the only way you can have joy is through the Lord. These are direct quotes. Um, they point to their coach and her coaching. Let me tell you, if you have ever wondered, does coaching a bowling team, does coaching um, a kid in anything have ultimate influence? A- 
100% absolutely life changing. Do you remember the conversation that we had yesterday um, with the with the um, oh, his name escapes me. The young man, Andrew from, Bailey um, from Andrew Alabama. Bailey, yeah. Say say it again, Paul. Andrew Bailey. Andrew Bailey. Thank you so much. I was I was looking back through my notes. Andrew Bailey from Auburn, Alabama, who talked about, you know, the farmer who gave him a call when he was a teenager and said, hey, have you ever planted a garden? Like you literally could make a, a phone call today to a young person and whatever it is you're doing in your life, you could just invite them to come alongside and do it with you. Like what does it matter what it is? Hey, have you ever driven a big rig? Hey, have you ever uh, put together uh, or, you know, or, or fixed an air conditioner. Hey, have you ever, I don't know what, it, I don't know what you're going to do today, but whatever it is, could you invite a kid to come alongside and do it with you? And you say to yourself, I don't know, that feels so weird. So what? Get over it. Like, right? Coaching is weird. Um, uh, it, it, counseling is weird. Teaching is weird, but that's discipleship. We walk with each other along the course of life and um, and it rubs off one to the other. We have oppor- opportunities for conversation. Young people make observations about who we are and what we're doing and how we're dressing and how we're speaking and how it's different than the ways of the world. And they say, hey, tell me about that. Tell me about that. And then we have the opportunity to tell them about that. And we have, and because our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we get to point to him. I mean, did you hear Alyssa? When you when you see us point point up, it's because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. We're not fulfilled in the outcomes, um, but we see the game as the as an opportunity to glorify God. I mean, just wow, right? These young women uh, living to exemplify the King and the Kingdom, playing for something bigger, not worried about the trophies of the world, although God is giving them those as well. Acknowledging that this isn't our home, we have an eternity of joy, and we're so excited that we're these are our sisters in Christ, and we're going to spend eternity together. Yeah, it's fun to play ball together now, as Oklahoma Sooners, but we're looking forward to living in the kingdom of God in the full presence of our Father. Like, I did you hear them? Aren't you encouraged with all the bad news out there, and with all the, you know, uh, oh. Yeah, with all of the hard things that are happening, aren't you encouraged to hear their testimony? What would it sound like if somebody put a microphone in front of you today and said, you know, win or lose, win or lose, tell me about joy. Not not the circumstances of life. Tell me about joy. How do you hold on to the joy? How do you have joy in the midst of anxiety? That was the question. Did you hear the answer? I hope you did. And I hope you are ready and able to articulate the same. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. All right, um, I'm going to pivot really quickly here and share a story with you out of golf. And you're going to say, oh, there's only one story out of golf right now. And that is the sort of weird merger or marriage between the PGA and uh, and Lil, uh, Liv, excuse me, L-I-V, the Liv tournament. Tons of controversy related to this. I won't get into all of that. What I want to lift up before you is, you know, this whole microphone stuck into the face of a young Christian um, 
who is, you know, uh, uh, at the top of his vocation as well, in the same way that these young women whose testimonies we just heard, you know, they're at the top of their vocation, but there's less controversy in uh, women's NCAA softball right now than there is in men's golf. And so um, Bryson DeChambeau, um, who is a Christian and vibrantly so, and so he is a person who uh, words like peace and reconciliation, words like truth and forgiveness fall easily from his tongue. There's no question in my mind that he his heart is in the right place. Um, but when interviewed, he is a member of the Live um, uh, uh, Tournament group, um, and that is connected to the Saudis. And so the families of 9-11 victims um, have really um, come out uh, against this merger uh, of the PGA and the Live Tournament. And one of the people who, you know, they stuck a microphone in his face uh, is is Bryson DeChambeau, again, a vibrant Christian young man. And he um, he says many of the right things in the interview. I think he says many of the right things. Uh, he says we'll never be able to repay the families back for what happened uh, 20 years ago. Uh, it's horrible. Um I think as time has gone by and time has passed, we're in a place where it's time to start trying to work together to make things better together as a whole. Now, he's not wrong. He's not wrong about that. He goes on to say, I don't know exactly what 9-11 families are feeling. I can't ever know what they feel. I have a huge amount of respect for for them and their position. Um, And I don't want anything like that to ever happen again. He's right. Those are all he's saying all the right things. Um, he's also a, a forward-looking person, and he talks about uh, needing to pave a pathway of peace. And he talks about forgiveness. He talks about mending the world and making it a better place. Okay, all of which are wonderful aspirations. I think the challenge that you face when a microphone is stuck in front of your face and you're a young Christian and you maybe haven't thought all the way through the way the world hears those things and the way wounded people hear those things and our desire for revenge and the recognition that without confession and repentance, a pathway to peace and forgiveness um, is, is impossible um, because justice actually does matter. And so um, circling all the way back around, these are conversations about justice and they are real in the real world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.